Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library. This is episode 30 of the podcast. That is crazy. I'm Dan Tamanawala. My co-host is Garrett McGillivray. We are continuing our series on COVID-19's impact on the commercial real estate market. Gabriel Diamond is joining us. He's the vice president at Well-Grounded Real Estate. They own a portfolio of retail and multifamily properties across southwestern Ontario. Prime Minister Trudeau has been announcing retail assistance programs left and right, business assistance programs, uh, frankly, with very little consultation from businesses and landlords that these programs are affecting. So we wanted to speak with Gabe to see how leases are actually being negotiated. How are they getting done? And how are these programs going to be implemented? For reference, this podcast was recorded originally on May 11th, and it's a very insightful podcast to hear from what's happening on the front lines. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, KMB Law. Also, a thank you to Mizrahi Developments. Please support the podcast by supporting them. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Gabe, thank you so much for joining us. Gabe is a vice president at Well-Grounded Real Estate, operating in uh, Toronto and also secondary markets across uh, the GTA and broader Ontario region and commercial and multifamily. So Gabe, first question, can you give us, can you give us a little bit of a history of, of how COVID has in, impacted the commercial side? You know, in in March, I think I think late March, they they were ordered to kind of shut down non-essential businesses. Like, can you give us a little overview of what you've seen uh, with the businesses that operate out of your your properties? Uh, absolutely. Firstly, thanks thanks a bunch for having me on, guys. Um, so it was it was definitely it was mid March, and once everything started to sort of ramp up, and there was a lot more media attention, it became pretty clear that social distancing was gonna you know, uh, become regulated and come into effect. Um, we, we had some tenants slowly start to reach out to us and, you know, the key dates are always the first of the month. So, you know, we, we had some internal conversations, we expected it to happen. We started, to you know, put a framework in place. Um, you know, if tenants reached out to us, what was going to be our, um, sort of criteria, how we're going to evaluate how we can help out, uh, first and foremost, because we, we certainly did expected to happen, but there actually kind of was one particular tenant, a, uh, a national tenant that was based out of Washington. And it seems like a long time ago now, but if you can kind of remember back then, Washington was one of the first major hotspots in the States. Mm. Um, actually, before New York, there was a quite a major breakout. And so that tenant was the first that really sort of rang that, that alarm bell. They contacted us major sense of urgency and, and we were able to, to put together a deferral deal which which really sort of laid the groundwork for a lot of our, our future negotiations but um that happened very very quickly um within three four days they were um just trying to to, to really do as many um as possible with across their portfolio and and once that happened it seemed like um you know we we started to receive more and more but it was, it was really sort of that say 10 day to, to two week period leading up to april 1st where um, everything got kickstarted and, and we started to, to receive 
several phone calls in our, our, our portfolios. Um, a, a nice mix of national AAA tenants and mom and pop shops, you know, in, independent retailers. So we saw a, a real mix, but we had a quite a bit uh, reach out before April 1st. Um, and, and what are they, quite a bit of national tenants or mom and pops or both? And what are they saying when they reach out? Because, you know, a lot of these national tenants, you would like to say, well, no, you're obligated to pay your rent, pay your rent. Like, are they already saying, hey, it's been two weeks and we're broke? Like what? what? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's a, it, it's a great question. And, and, and to be honest, there was quite a divide, like, like, like quite a, a major difference in, in how they were pr- approaching it. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations, but it really seemed to depend on, on sort of their ownership structure um, and, and how they were set up. So as an example, I mean, you, you had a lot of the smaller independent retailers, as you would expect. I mean, it's, it's their baby, um, you know, especially if they're deemed non-essential. Um, conversations were very genuine. Hey, I have nothing coming in right now. We have to shut down. I'm very, very worried about my ability to pay rent. And I think under those, you know, under, under those circumstances, you can really, all the cards are on the table. Um, you know, you, you're, you're not trying to necessarily extract leverage, anything like that. You, you, you know what they're thinking. But at the same time, we had, we had a number of national tenants, uh, be it public companies or, you know, companies that were owned by, by private equity firms where they were still open. They were still operating. Now, you know, of course, um, sales are down. Right. They're still operating. And I think a lot of them were, um, at least in our experience, sending out blanket uh, letters, communications to, to landlords across North America, really, um, with, with pretty strong terms of, of what they were looking for. And, and ultimately, they were trying you on for size. You know, you send a, a letter out to 500 landlords and 10, 15, 20 of them agree you're in a better position than you were yesterday. Um, but at the same time, you know, from our perspective, we're certainly trying to dial down, okay, you know, who, who actually needs this relief um, and, and doing the best we can to, you know, first and foremost, support the independent, smaller mom and pop retailers uh, or, or those that truly need it. But, um, right. you know, I think we did have a number reach out that, that didn't necessarily require it at the time. Okay. Uh, just to give our viewers a bit of context, can you just give a description of the types of commercial properties that you guys own and the markets that they're in? Uh, absolutely. So they're all um, located in southern Ontario, um, secondary tertiary markets um, in Barrie, uh, Cambridge, Kitchener-Waterloo area, uh, as well as Sarnia, um, which, which is a bit further. Um, and they're all uh, shopping centers, strip centers, so uh, no indoor mall, no urban retail um, basically neighborhood uh, strip shopping centers sort of in that uh, 50,000 to 200,000 square foot range. Right. Uh, so, we, you know, big, big box tenants, but, but much smaller independent retailers and that sort of typical 1,200 square foot size as well. Right. And, and what sort of, like, how are you renegotiating these? You know, you mentioned a rent deferral. Are they all deferrals or some of them abatements, like, you know, completely erasing 50% of the rent, something like that? Um, what what sort of structure are you providing them with? It, it, it's an excellent question. So we, we've truly done a, a mix and, and, and really tried to base it on the actual needs that the tenant requires. So again, with an independent restaurant, for example, that's, that's not allowed 
to operate. They have, they have no revenue coming in or, or even like a nail salon, as an example. You know, a lot of these strip centers have, have those types of uses. Um, we, we've been able to negotiate um, some, some abatement deals in, in those respects. Um, smaller tenants, tenants that, you know, if this continues for two to three months and they're not allowed to operate, uh, their business is um, very threatened and, and, you know, may not make it out the other side. We've been able to do abatement deals in, in that respect. Uh, some of the larger tenants that are operating, but their sales, um, you know, are, are, are taking a material hit but at the same time they, they are operating or they're able to do curbside. Those are the situations where we're, we're trying to opt for um, some deferrals. Um, and in all cases, um, and, and, and the deferral, you know, that can mean many different things, but in terms of, you know, the amortization period, also having some leeway to to negotiate that. Uh, mo- most of our, our deferrals have been in that 12-month range. Um, certain tenants where they have, say, 16 months left on the lease, uh, as an example, left on their term, you know, we've been able to extend it to the end of their term or or in some cases go a little bit beyond that. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot been said where, you know, these landlords are offering deferrals, but aren't you just saddling a lot of these tenants with debt? And, you know, I think in some cases where it's truly a, a cash flow issue and not necessarily, you know, you're, you're making nothing, if you can spread out the AM period a little bit longer, um, in some cases, it's not, it's not quite as onerous as, as the public may view it. Um, you know, it's perhaps easy for me to say, but, you know, between adding $100, $150, 2 over, you know, a, a, a 12-month or 18-month period, um, is something that a lot of businesses can, in fact, manage if, if they're operating. Um, if they're not, then that's where we, you know, sort of turn to the abatements. Are you are you receiving any benefits from any of your lenders, like in terms of like you know deferral of uh, mortgage payments or anything along those lines? Uh, so so we've looked into that. Um, in in theory, we could just on, on the mortgage side, but um, you you really have to demonstrate. That, that you can't make your mortgage payments and make your obligations in the way that we're structured, um, you know, it's a bit of a tough sell for us in a lot of cases that, that we can, whether it's through um, other entities, um, you know, a, a, other companies under our banner that, that we are able to make those payments. Uh, you so guys probably also have a, a very low loan to value across your entire portfolio, right, Gabe? So uh, you guys are in a great position to weather the storm. <laughs> We're yeah no I mean I mean yeah to be to be frank we've been we're a very conservative company we've we've been operating since the early 50s so we are fairly low levered um, and and uh, yeah across the portfolio so we're in a you know pretty well capitalized to to get through this scenario and 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 for those reasons I mean I you know it, it all depends on on which center but you know we have um, have some obligations on 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 some properties but. But even in those scenarios, it's it's difficult to prove that um, you know you can't actually make those payments through through other entities. So it becomes a little challenging, unfortunately. And on the realty taxes side, um, every municipality is a little bit different, um, and and there's been a number of uh, you know pro- whether it's you know waiving penalties and interest charges or you know pushing back certain payment deadlines. But we just found that we're sort of just pushing the problem back, and the fact that that we can pay. Um, let, let, let's try to do that. And that, that's sort of our theory across the board. You know, we don't want to exasperate the issue or compound it by having um, companies or whatever. And I'm not even talking landlord tenant necessarily, but um, you know, if you can pay, you, you, you should truly try to pay so that 
uh, bills or, or otherwise so that, you know, those that, that actually require that relief can get it. Um, so just, you know, in terms of realty taxes, whatever it is, we, we, we can make these payments and, and, and we're going to continue to make them um, unless, you know, something, something truly does creep up on us. But right. um, yeah. And, and do you have, do you have any tenants uh, taking advantage of that, that federal program? Um, I believe that's used to pay up to like 75% of their rent payments or something like that. So, so that was kind of interesting. Um, the, the, the only kind of, I wouldn't say issue because I, I think there's a lot of good and, and, and a lot of mutual benefit that can come out of it. Uh, the timing was a little bit tricky for us because, you know, we made a whole lot of deals in the middle of March in advance of April 1st. So the timing of this program where we had these, you know, several of these amending agreements in place to cover April, May and June, you know, and you have this new program that comes out in May, everyone's kind of looking at it and saying, you know, tenants and landlord, hey, can we actually use this now? How does this impact the deals we've already made? Right. Uh, as an example, but uh, currently you can't actually apply it. Um, so a lot of the, you know, sort of the minute details are, are a little bit unknown uh, right now. CMHC, um, the, the application's not available yet. They're still working through some of the details, but I, I think, um, you know, we have some particular cases where we have offered abatement where this program would be excellent. Uh, for both landlord and tenant, and 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 we're hoping that um, you know we we qualify and the tenant qualifies and and we can have it work. Um, but then there are you know some some other scenarios where um, you know we we'd like our current agreement to stand as well. And um, but I'm, yeah. Oh, sorry, Gabe. Just to interrupt, I I just want to give a little background context. So this this program, uh, I find it interesting because landlords actually have to apply how how i understand it like you have to apply and then reduce your asking rent by 75 percent something like that and then that and then that becomes forgivable some i'm i'm describing it badly can you can you kind of elaborate on how the program actually works uh yeah absolutely you basically have that right so there's not an obligation uh, for a landlord to apply uh, some of the criteria in terms of uh, in terms of the tenant, uh, you basically have to prove that you're, um, you, you, have, you have to prove that you've had a, uh, at least a 70% decline in pre-COVID revenues, um, either by comparing April 2020 to April 2019, uh, May 2020 to, to, to May 2019. If you're a new retailer, I believe there's uh, a criteria in place. You actually compare it to the uh, last three months average rents or, or so pre-COVID, uh, something like that. I, I don't know the exact uh, answer there. And then there's some other uh, uh, criteria as well. So, you know, at the ultimate parent level, uh, the, uh, the tenant doesn't generate more than 20 million in gross revenue. Uh, and the tenant has to have uh, no more than 50,000 in gross monthly rent. Um, which, which is a pretty large rent. I mean, I, I think a lot of these smaller retailers would, would certainly qualify, but uh, the provision in terms of the revenues becomes pretty interesting because, you know, especially in a franchisee franchise model where, um, you know, you might have a lease with uh, a head lease with uh, at the corporate level. Sometimes you actually have it on the franchise level. So the franchisee um, is struggling. Maybe they own uh, one particular store or a couple stores. Um, but because at the ultimate parent level, 
they're generating more than 20 million in revenue, they won't actually qualify. And so it really sort of depends on, on, on what the structure is there and how the franchisor is, is helping out the franchisee. Uh, we've seen some cases where the franchisee, um, you know, wants to apply to this program and, and the advice they're getting from corporate is that you don't qualify. Um, you know, because of how their franchise agreements work, um, which which becomes pretty uh, difficult with restaurants, as you would imagine, um, who are, you know, uh, particularly hard hit. So um, I, I think this program has the potential to, to work out well. I think there's certain areas where it, it could probably be expanded or, or there just simply needs to be a little bit more clarity um, just because of the complexity of uh, commercial leases where, um yeah, there's, there's, there's just a lot of questions. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think a lot of the people in our position, uh, landlords, tenants are, are pretty eager for this application to be uh, finalized just so you can really dive in and, and, and see if it's something that would actually work um, in your regard. But, but we would hope to uh, um, offer it to uh, a few tenants for sure uh, where, where it makes sense. Right. And then, the, and then the tenants also have the option of using that uh, SEBA, you know, federal loan, uh, which I think is $40,000 and, you know, a quarter of that is forgivable, Some, something like that, right? Exactly. Um, if you pay it back by December of 2021, then you only have to pay back 30 so right. you're off the hook of that 25%. Um, it's not a perfect system because... You know, like if you talk to a small business owner and say, hey, here's $40,000 to go into debt, it's not always, you know, that's not always ideal. Um, but hopefully that, along with this other program, can actually help uh, bridge the gap to the other side. One last bit on kind of the restructuring of these leases. Are you, ha- have you ever seen a, an opportunity in your portfolio or among your peers where they're kind of using it as an opportunity to restructure as a benefit to the landlord, wherein uh, the tenant's saying, hey, I need a 50% rent abatement for three months. And you say, okay, great, but um, you know, you're a national tenant. Let's extend for another six months at the end. Let's extend for another six years at the end. Let's add a development clause where we could knock down the building if we want to build something. Is there, is there anything like that or not? It- uh, we, we've seen it a little bit. We, we had a couple of those discussions and, and to be honest, just on the parameters, we just, we were pretty far off. I mean, I think we had, there's a few tenants where, uh, national tenants that said, you know, we'd, we'd like two to three months abatement, but we'd like to tack that term on to the end. And just the way a lot of these geo structures, the way our structured story and how long term they are, um, it just, we, we didn't feel like we were, we were quite aligned in that regard. So, you know, that, that truly is just an abatement. So if you're healthy enough at that point, say two, three, four years from now, that you want to tack on a couple months, you're probably going to tack on the five-year option anyway. Right. And so does that make sense? So from our perspective, we said, you know, we'd like you to exercise a five-year option and then we'll, we'll, we'll certainly entertain that two to three month abatement um, right. in certain scenarios. And, and we couldn't quite line up. Um, so we, we didn't execute anything like that. We had some early discussions and, and just sort of felt that trying to go as short term as possible uh, made a lot of sense. Um, I'm not saying necessarily month by month, but, but trying to stick to sort of 60 to 90 days out in terms of decision making, um, just, just so nobody was sort of committing too far. So we had some discussions. They, they didn't 
quite lead anywhere. Um, but but yeah, there there were some conversations there. Interesting. And and um, sorry, one one last question on that. No, 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 please. Do they like I know a lot of leases have this clause where, you know, if a tenant defaults on their lease, then they lose their option to renew. And, you know, they might have two options of five years that they can execute. And that potentially could be erased. Did you see any of that happening or was it more, um, you know, you didn't formally write to them and say, hey, you're in default and let, you know, I mean, that's a that's a tough question to answer. But um what are you, what are you seeing on that now? So I think it's one of these things. Hey, you, you really have to understand this. Um, these deals, obviously there's a very explicit situation happening, but at the same time, you have to, to truly think about them and analyze them in, in the context of the broader market, um, your leverage, attendance, an example. And so, you know, in certain scenarios, if, if you want to go down that road to, um, providing default notices or calling in a bailiff to lock out a tenant or to seize goods, excuse me, are you able to fill that spot? Um, you know, what, what is your timeline for filling that spot? You're having to pay commissions, uh, you know, costs associated with demolition, getting the space ready, uh, tenant inducement packages. It's, um, you know, it's pretty expensive to, to bring in a tenant on the best of days. Uh, let, let alone when it, you know, maybe a, a slower turnaround. So we're, we're, we're trying to evaluate um, any scenario with, with all of that uh, in mind. Um, and so, you know, we, we didn't quite, we, we were very close to serving a couple default notices in, in, in certain scenarios where we felt um, that the tenant, you know, certainly had an obligation to pay and, um, right. you know, because they were operating. That, that they should be paying. It didn't quite get to that stage, but um, you right. know, we're, we're, we're close to having those conversations um, and, and, um, and serving notice, but you know, we were able to uh, in, in the end, come up with some agreements that, that worked for everybody, fortunately. Um, but, I, but I think, you know, in certain scenarios, again, like we're, we're operating in, in some secondary markets, et cetera. I think in some scenarios, especially if, you know, you sort of reading the news and you, you hear about tenants getting locked out, in Toronto or, you know, some, some of the more high profile stuff that, that has made the news. Um, hey, I think there's, there's always more than meets the eye. I mean, I, I know these, a lot of these publications like to jump all over a landlord, but I'm, I would imagine there's a little bit more to it in, in certain scenarios, but you know, it also kind of depends or, you know, how are they as a tenant in the best of times? Are they making their rent? You know, if they're significantly, significantly below market or, they're just, you know, sort of a, a delinquent operator, you know, per, perhaps you're not as inclined to, to make these types of deals or, you know, you, you sort of stick to the, the contract that you have in place and you exercise all your rights. And, you know, I understand those situations too. Um, for us, we sort of see it. I mean, first and foremost, it's an opportunity to help out smaller tenants that, um, that can, can use the assistance, use the relief, but, you know, from a defensive standpoint or, or competition standpoint, if we're in a situation where we're well capitalized and, and we have the ability to, to help fund a tenant to get through this, that, that helps us. That's an asset. We want to use that to, to our advantage that, you know, six months from now or, you know, sort of coming into the new year, hopefully, you know, we, we have a, you know, a, a, a full center 
we're ready to go. We have healthy tenants and, and we can make it through the other side. So we saw it as an opportunity as well, you know, not just to help tenants, which, which certainly it is, but, but also to, you know, for us to spend some money in the form of abatements, actually keep our center full and operating um, and keep everybody happy. I'm just thinking about what other things we, we want to cover in this, uh, in this podcast. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I was going to mention maybe something. I, I sort of talked about it a little bit, just in terms of like a juicy tool. I don't want to go into too much detail, but we found a lot of the <laughs> the public companies or, or the private equity firms out of the states took a very different approach than than some Canadian companies, and it sort of goes in line. I, I have a number of friends that work in private equity down south, and, and they're taking a very, very, very hard line approach. Um, you know, whether it's based on what their exit strategies are, just how, you know, their capital structure, whatever, you know, their obligations, whatever they need, they're taking a much harder approach. Like no negotiations at all, pay your rent or get out. Yeah. I mean, um, well, sorry, like from a tenant perspective, like where they're basically saying like, just like no communication, um, not responding uh, you know, not even like there's been some scenarios where they basically serve these blanket letters and we said, um, you know, I'm looking to have that conversation and say, okay, what, you know, what can we do? No responses, like nothing until sort of towards the last week of April where they reached out a little bit and, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're four weeks in default of your lease. Um, and, and just taking a very different approach to the strategy where, you know, you, you want this to be unemotional, but at the same time where, you know, if you have a tenant that reaches out in the middle of March, who's thinking three weeks ahead, you're going to be more inclined to deal with them. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. You have, you have a little more runway. You're going to work with them. You understand you have time in place and there's less surprises. You can budget accordingly. Um, you know, when you have these tenants that are refusing to speak to you and, and not actually, <laughs> you know, have that conversation, it becomes very difficult, you know, when the time comes to make these deals and say, you know, still be inclined. I, I know, you know, we're going to our our, bo- our board and saying, you know, we, we got in touch, we want to do these deals and say, they haven't paid rent in three or four weeks. What, you know, what are we supposed to do here? Do you, do you want to, you know, sort of, um, you know, <laughs> offer what they're asking or, or at the same time, are you saying, hey, why, you know, where have you right. been the last little bit? So I, th- I think you want to strip out the emotion as much as possible. But at the end of the day, a lot of these companies approach things very differently. And those that approach things in advance of the first of the month and were willing to negotiate and are being open and honest about their situation. Um, I think in a lot of cases, you're, you're a lot more inclined to to try to provide that relief and, you know, have that understanding of their business as opposed to those that, that took a more hardline approach. And then you're kind of saying, you know, we've, we've already budgeted for this. Right. Right. It's, it's very it, difficult. So it's all, yeah, that, that's a really interesting point. And, and I mean, even in thinking about the U S they have much more uh, commercial property per person, right. They're just right. dominated by those retailers and malls and everything like that. So Gabe, is there is there anything? Thank you so much for for doing no, this. Man. And, uh, 
is there anything that we can we can direct our our audience toward? Is there anything you know? Do you want them to be sending you multifamily property? Is there anything that they should be looking at uh, for what well grounded real estate is is doing or working on? So this the the shameless plug uh, of port, port portion. Um, if anybody's looking for commercial space in Barrie, uh, you know, hit 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 me up. But no, I, I you know I think we are uh, looking for opportunities. Um, we um are trying to underwrite as, as as much as we can um you know we're we're in a position that that we hope to to play some capital so if you know um there are any opportunities in the multifamily um or or retail space uh over the next few months um you know we'd 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 love to to be in contact so you know our our contact information well granted real estate gabriel at well granted real estate feel free to uh to send send us some some stuff and yeah we we we'd love to have those conversations and be in touch and uh sort of increase our deal flow a little bit over over the next few months there's only one more thing i mean is this completely how you, where you want to go with the podcast but we actually did a couple of new retail deals in the past little bit um so i, I don't know if that's of interest or or you want to uh new leases yeah Okay. So we're sort of, you know, certainly trying to get the the deck in order. That was sort of the most part over the last couple months. Okay. But we also yeah, let's, well, let's touch let's pattern. touch on that. Let's touch on that quickly. What what uh, sort of lease? What did that involve? Like, do you guys now have a, a pandemic clause that they're paying you? Just, you know, is there, are there any extra provisions in the lease or anything like that? Uh, yeah. So so we're in the process actually of negotiating with a national restaurant tenant uh, for a pad site and we were you know in and around february march very very close to putting pen to paper um had been negotiating for for almost 12 months to that point um so so quite a quite a long time and and finalizing everything and then once the pandemic hit certainly they had to to manage the rest of their portfolio and 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 make sure that you know they supported all their franchisees etc and so it forced us to um, add a couple clauses in, into our appendix and our lease, which dealt with a, a number of scenarios, not just, I mean, first and foremost, uh, the municipality is not accepting building permits. So how do we adjust, you know, certain fixturing dates, uh, commencement dates to, to address that? Um, once you get past the building permit issue, are you even allowed to actually build out the commercial space, uh, given that? the use isn't an essential service uh, right now they're they're not allowed to build it out so suppose you know you get your building permit um if the municipality is still reviewing that um but then you can't actually build out the space um and so we had provisions in place for that now suppose you could actually do both of those you get your building permit you build it out if this all takes place in the next four months i mean nobody knows the answer to this but will that restaurant be allowed to operate um at, at the end of this and so we we had to add several clauses um in there just to allow to to adjust the dates accordingly um and we even built in sort of the uh deferral or or, or certain abatement um clauses into that just so there'd be no surprises so in eight months if, if this is where we are here's exactly what will happen um you know at that time and then you're you know it gets a little more complicated because suppose you can do drive through and or takeout but you can't do dine in you know, at that stage and, you know, how does that impact everything? So, um, you know, with this particular lease that we were negotiating right in the middle of the, of, uh, you know, the pandemic, we, we added those clauses, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that's probably going to become a, a part of our standard form lease, um, moving forward. 
Awesome. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Garrett, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask, Gabe? No, I'm good. Thank you very much for being on the show, Gabe. Yeah. No, absolutely, guys. I, I yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dame, I know you talk uh, with with Jonathan uh, a little more over the last couple uh, couple months, certainly. But yeah, I really, really appreciate you guys thinking of us. Uh, been, it's been a hell of the past two months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. Hey, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We have a couple more episodes on this COVID-19 series still to come because frankly, it's it's challenging to talk about real estate without talking about the elephant in the room, which is this virus and how it's impacting things. But after that, it will be back to the regu- regularly scheduled programming, which we're very excited to get back to. Um, please leave us a comment or subscribe or tell your friend if, if you did get any value from this episode. We really appreciate it and it helps the podcast grow. And let us know who you want us to interview next. Thanks for listening.